A Tale from the Other Side. This is the Untitled Film Project Podcast. Today, we're talking about the movie Priscilla. What is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. She's much more mature than her age. Less than 18 months after getting a movie about Elvis, we get a movie about Priscilla's story. We'll be talking about that and our big question. Looking back at the films that you've seen in 2023, we all have like lists or spreadsheets or we keep track. Yeah, we keep track oh, yeah. because we have to. And quite honestly, I have to. Otherwise, I will forget what I've seen. That's the point of this question. Looking back at the films you've seen in 2023, <laughs> what movie or movies have you forgotten you've seen? Oh, probably not a good sign. for the So movie. bad. Yeah. You spend a couple hours of your life yeah. and you don't even remember that you saw it or more. <laughs> <laughs> the length of movies today, so oh, true. <laughs> Priscilla, the story by Sofia Coppola, taken from her memoir, Priscilla Presley, the very young girl who ended up marrying Elvis. Let's get initial takes, starting with Gover. Guys, was the point of this film to convey loneliness? Mm. If it was... I'll just give it a score right now. 10 out of 10. That is my initial take. <laughs> if you're going for loneliness. Priscilla. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're going to have to dive a little more into that. Uh, so that's just a deeper bit. dive is yes. four. Are yes. you lonesome tonight? <laughs> All right. Cut it out. That's, that's enough. <laughs> he started it. <laughs> I did not give you a song title. Thank you very much. We didn't give any songs in this film either. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> And, well, that will take me to one of my initial takes, which is, thankfully, there were not a whole lot of Elvis songs in this movie. Thankfully. I am so apathetic to Elvis's music and his story, and I'm tired of his story, uh, that I was glad there was very little Elvis music in it. So I'm just being forthcoming. I regret... I, totally admit he has this amazing place in music history he was the first of his kind he changed things forever he was very talented i just don't happen to like it uh, but, <laughs> but uh this movie uh was so refreshing i'm so sick of pretty much the same elvis stories that telling it from priscilla's perspective was a breath of fresh air. So that's my initial take. Bradford, what do you think, Priscilla? So kind of building upon that, too, knowing that this is based on the book Elvis and Me by Priscilla Presley, this is definitely her take. So this is not a, a necessarily a director's interpretation. This is not some other writer's interpretation. This is taking it directly from the book written by Priscilla Presley. So you know in terms of the story that we get it's going to be difficult to ever get 100% true. This is with anybody, right? Absolutely. Things are always going to be somewhere in the middle or lean a certain way. We're not going to get the 100% true story. What was curious to me, given my age as an elder millennial that did not necessarily grow up knowing Elvis's story as much, was how much I feel like it exposed in terms of the history of this relationship and that, yes, it may have been the late 50s, early 60s, it is still not that much of a different time to where a 24 and a 14-year-old should be dating. And... <laughs> Yes. The red flags that I think this film exposed is giving very good reason why so many fans and Elvis Estate and so many other people are pissed about this film, including, I guess, Lisa Marie Presley. She saw it as well and was not too happy with the way that it was portrayed. But it's been interesting because even just me posting on Facebook the picture of me going to the screening, 
had a result of, I don't want to hear her lies. I Interesting. Don't, people didn't want to hear anything that tarnished their exactly. wonderful nostalgia for their favorite artist. So in artist. terms of taking this step to paint a different picture that it wasn't all sunshine and daisies, which we all know mm-hmm. it wasn't, especially near the end. There's sure. a reason why she left him. There's a dark side. But the beginning of the relationship as well, and that what I said in terms of my initial review when, when we first saw the screening was, it was grooming for companionship. There wasn't like a sexual predatory thing necessarily here. Right. It was he had a gap that needed to be filled of someone to come home to that made him feel like home, and that started off in Germany. Yes. I didn't know all these things. We knew they met very young. She was very young when they met. I did not realize it was so young, <laughs> and that she went to go live with him in Memphis and all these other things that the history is exposed to. We're seeing so many of these historical exposure types of movies coming out right now as well. And for folks that just know Elvis for his music, I thought it was refreshing in terms of we're seeing a different side of the story. Whether it's all 100% true or not, we don't know. We will probably never know the 100% true story of these things. Nobody ever does. to get this side shows how complicated of a relationship they had. I thought Kaylee Spaney did a fantastic job in her interview with her first ever talk show appearance with Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. <laughs> no pressure. She, no, Yeah, no pressure. Yeah. Welcome to the big time. That she sat next to Priscilla Presley during the viewing in Venice. <laughs> wow. And that Priscilla... Told her she did a great job, you know, gave her so many kind words and everything on the performance. Overall, I liked Jacob O'Rourke's performance of Elvis because it wasn't over the top. It felt more genuine to Elvis that you didn't get that. It was a little dialed back. Yeah, you didn't get the character actor you see on the side of the streets, the impersonator, which we see the heightened version of. That's always the, what you <sighs> think in your mind is Elvis. No, this felt more like, a, okay, Elvis the person with just the little the right. hints of it. Sofia Coppola. Very, very talented director. I like the take on music and the use of music in this film because they obviously probably didn't have rights to use Elvis music. They couldn't use Elvis music. They had to tell the story and set the scene without using Elvis's music. And I think that takes a lot of talent in a movie that is discussing the relationship with Elvis to be able to pull that off, especially at the end with Dolly Parton's I'll Always Love You and the connection that song has just to yes. Elvis and to that time period and everything like that. So I thought overall it was a really good film taking it for what it is as a film not necessarily how accurate it was or anything like that but the performances the way they did the film i overall enjoyed it all right i love how our initial, initial takes took about 12 seconds there, there's there was, it, went on for about eight minutes because mine's always broad because i'm bringing up topics it's an initial to initial tome <laughs> <laughs> and my jokes are bad look that word up kids Let's go deeper into the movie Priscilla. Bradford already did. Yeah, he. I know he used up all his time. He's, he... <laughs> I did not yield my time to the gentleman from Untitled. Uh, that has been um, given. Uh, Merch available at UntitledFilmProjectPod.com. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. It's coming. Please don't. It's, it's not coming. available. It's coming. Not yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's get into what we actually saw in the film, and then let's get into the ethics of it. Let's divide that into a couple of things. Okay, so uh, first of all, this movie was absolutely beautiful to look at. Uh, I, as opposed to, I think, every other Elvis movie that I've been forced to sit through... <laughs> Uh, and especially Baz Luhrmann, uh, you know, which is which is pop, glamour, explosions, it's spotlights. What I noticed in this movie was most scenes were filmed 
in daylight. It had a softer f- image to it. It, it, was, it was very lovely. There was a soft focus used uh, strategically in a lot of places, which I, you know, you could do a separate thing on that, um, which I thought was just really nice. Uh, it was a period piece that didn't feel like it was trying too hard to be a period piece. Uh, it just felt right. Uh, just the look of the movie, I hats off to that, you know, whoever, uh, the director of photography and set design. So building upon that, I think it makes total sense because we're telling it from Priscilla's angle, which yes. soft-spoken, she's having to play second, whereas if it was told from Elvis's angle, it is going to be flashy, it's going to be out there, it's going to be mm-hmm. elaborate and everything, so I think that matches the tone. Absolutely. It, it told him that you could it, tell just it, the thought process was there, that it's not an Elvis movie, it's a Priscilla movie. It's telling her Elvis story. It. Yes, yes, so it is going to be soft and well-lit and it's supposed to be just soft to the touch. Yeah. And, lines up really well. Yeah, and I think it also lines up with uh, like the purity of the age of where right, this yeah. movie starts um, and the innocence. So, I, I mean, that, that came across with the technical aspects of the way they filmed this movie, which is another kudo to the way they made this movie. Um, what, uh, what stood out to you in this movie as, uh, as some, some good filmmaking? I'll go and ask a question to counter that. Okay. <laughs> Did it feel choppy to you guys? Because there were scenes where I thought, okay, that's perfectly appropriate to then, like, for example, like when he, uh, when she's like, you know, what about me being desired or whatever it was? And then he counters with, it's just not the right time, baby. But it doesn't mean we can't do other things. And then there's like a kiss and then it fades out to the next scene. That's totally appropriate and fine. I like, love the artistic choice there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there were other scenes, like the Taekwondo instructor, for example. Not the actual session that shows her getting stronger, right? Being more confident. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the next scene where she's sitting at a lunch with him and she's like touching his arm and stuff. Is that supposed to imply that she had an affair with him? Is that there that scene, it's like she's just eating lunch with a guy. Like I don't like it seemed not necessary. If they take that scene out altogether, I as an audience member have no different reaction whatsoever to the film. So am I missing something? And that's what I'm asking. No, I don't think you're missing something. I, I think you're hitting it because this is playing out like a book. Books do that. Well, they'll just kind of like tease a little bit and let the reader take in what they want to. So that felt more like a book scene. Okay, in sure. In terms of how that was shot, that she probably didn't elaborate in her book more into what was happening there, but just... Maybe thought that maybe the confidence level, or maybe there was something else. There's a little bit more. There was could have been full or, or something like that. Or like she's still unfulfilled in that desire way, right? And she's taking any opportunity, whether it be just sitting down and having lunch, to try to get more of okay of his romantic attention that she's just not getting anywhere because he refuses to. I think there's interpretation there. I don't I think know. That's the book side of the angle. Could, that, that makes, that makes I sense. I couldn't to tell. Me. But for me, the movie seemed choppy a little bit in that regard. Again, okay. early on, it was just like screaming. It was great. I mean, but then like all of a sudden, like around the midway point or so, it would just seemed like there were scenes that didn't matter. And then, well, maybe they have a more symbolic meaning and that's fine, but it didn't seem to fit. And it was, it was just, it came across feeling jagged. Okay. I didn't get that much. Yeah, I didn't feel that. But, uh, you know, to each his own. Um, Bradford, you talked about the use of soundtrack in the movie. Uh, How was the soundtrack used? What did you like about the soundtrack and in particular? Well, in particular, what is 
pretty early to notice on that we're not going to get Elvis music. And if we were, we're going to get some deep track that we don't, that we're not really familiar with as well, too. <laughs> but what I like about the music overall, and I, I can't think of all the specific songs by head right now, but the use of music from the period, so making it a period piece, set the tone without making it feel like an Elvis movie. So I thought it was very calculated in a very good way of how they use different types of tracks of music in this. And it was edited very well, so it wasn't taking over the scene right. either. It just set the scene for the film in terms of where they're at, what they're doing. But the big thing to me is the Dolly Parton one. Is I'll always love you at the very end because that hit because this is the scene where she's you know, breaking up with him. She's but leaving him, but leaving him. It's not the Whitney Houston version because that wasn't even available yet. Right, <laughs> but it was the Dolly version to where there's even what rumors that it was given to Elvis potentially to record. I mean, there's so many different background background connections to that song that it was strategic in how they utilize these pieces of music without having Elvis because in an Elvis movie. Even though it's not an Elvis movie, you expect, the expectation is you might get some of those songs, sure. right? Some right. form or fashion. They didn't do that. And I really like the way they were able to pull it off without using his music at all. Yeah, I got more on that. But uh, Gover, what did you think about the use of the soundtrack? Well, I just wanted, to, this was a perfect reminder. I actually forgot about this until he started talking about music. The absence of score early yeah. was so powerful in the point that I made earlier, which is, is it supposed to make you feel lonely? Because there's no score in the first probably, I mean, there probably is, but I mean, like it was, it was silent in it's, key moments. It's so subtle. Yeah. In the la in the, probably the first half hour. Yeah. Just at least she's walking around the house. There's nothing. She's in Germany in her room. Nothing. There's, it's just the complete absence of score only help. Just like score helps you feel emotion yeah. when it's mm -hmm. on. Well, when you take it away, you feel even more. Of a different emotion. And Top, Coppola yeah. really nailed it with this one. I just wanted to bring that up because I forgot. Yeah, no. High five. That's a good one. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, oh, thanks. Yeah. That, was, that was great. Be because that's exactly what I think we're supposed to feel is her loneliness. Okay? I mean, it's part of his and part of hers and mostly hers that, you know, she absolutely, like, when there's no soundtrack playing, everything feels longer. The time that you're not with somebody or doing something that is positive just feels even longer. And your senses are completely focused on what you're seeing. Especially yes. when she's standing alone in Graceland. Yeah. He's not there. There's no the work going yes. on in the basement, everything. She's just standing there, just kind of walking around. And she's with nothing or to do. sitting in different chairs. Or sitting sits yeah. on a couch. Completely that, silent. As a teenager, too. Yeah. As a teenager, she's used to being with her family. Used to, and not even friends, but just used to being schoolmates and everything, too, in class. And all of a sudden, she's just alone being the king's companion at this point, and, and there's nothing. And that's a contrast, too, because when she's in school, all the school scenes, there's all kinds of noise and, ch and chitter-chatter and gossip right. and all kinds of things. Just they've got noise life. around her. Yeah, they've got a life. They've got interesting friends. They're doing fun stuff. She's isolated. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the thing about the soundtrack that I liked about this, and it's, I'm not going to make another I don't care for Elvis music joke. Uh, but You just did. The... <laughs> Maybe. Uh, is that because they didn't use Elvis music, it further showed her isolation from the rest of his life. Okay? So she felt in the real world by using uh, the music, you know, that they decided to use in the soundtrack as her soundtrack is she's just living in the rest of the world where everybody else is. Okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, his music is almost like a rumor 
to her because she is cut off from most of his life. All right, let's get now into the subject matter of the film and the moral, ethical problems we see with what was portrayed in this movie, Priscilla being such a young child when Elvis started pursuing her. How did he pick her? I know a fellow serviceman came up and said, hey, we're all the pro-. but that seems so out of the, like the movie starts with that. Yes. So invited how, to a party. Right. So yeah. how did he know? Because that guy seemed like an upstanding guy. He's like, oh, you my wife and I was chaperone. And nothing shady happened with that when she or she was with him. It was yeah. it was almost like Elvis saw her and said, hey, go get that girl. But that wasn't said. I, I kind of got the impression that he, this guy knew what Elvis wanted. Okay. That's what and I got. He too. was on the lookout. Okay. Yeah, he was a searcher. Yeah. Okay. So that that but either way, so that's predatory. Uh, it is. Doesn't have to be sexually predatory. Right. Sure. It's just predatory. predatory as in like I'm gonna take advantage of a situation of a young person who doesn't know any better and then make them this thing that I want them to be. Oh sure. It's like a it's like a music star that says, uh, okay, uh, security, go find me the prettiest girl in the front row and invite her backstage. Yeah. That's right. So go over to build on that. Her parents, yes, saw an opportunity, obviously, because how many parents are going to let your 15, 16 year old? She's in ninth grade. Go well, go at that point. You're right. Go across the pond, yeah, and live with Elvis Presley, with his dad as the guardian, Mm -hmm. and do that for even a month, just as a temporary visit. Even though in the movie they portray them as having some reservations, they still let it happen. Okay, well, this is this is where I think the movie did its best work, okay? Uh, they took what would be a normal reaction from parents, like, no, I mean, why should my daughter go to this party at first? Why, you know, and then it kept escalating. Uh, and they showed the subtle manipulation of the parents. It's not like she needed manipulation. She was right. She, she was really in. wanted to go. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they used his military respect mm-hmm. and, you know, the promises of other military men that they would care for her to like get him to just loosen his restrictions just a little Mm -hmm. bit. And they just kept finding new ways to slowly turn up the temperature of the relationship. And by the end of the movie, she's the frog in the boiling water, but we barely saw it because they just turned up the temperature a little bit at a time. And that's how I think the parents got fooled. And that's, I think, how the whole world kind of just got fooled into, hey, where is this? Like the rest of the world didn't even know who she was. Right. He kept her secret. Um, All of a sudden he's marrying this girl. Well, it's because over a long period of time, they just kept turning up the heat. Yeah, you're right. And because to me, just thinking that, what, she's 17, saying, no, finish high school over in Memphis. I'm going to enroll her in a, in a good Catholic school yeah. and everything, too. Just, what? Saying mm-hmm. yes to that? I Yeah. I it, mean, that that's what gets, especially, I can't imagine a military father in the 60s. <laughs> also, I, I think there's a little naivete maybe back in that day. Uh, that we weren't true. We weren't looking for predators 
like we True. were to like we are now and have been for a while. Dude, in the eighties, I rode my bike two miles to Rayleigh's to get a candy bar, and then two miles back. My parents had no idea where I was yeah. at, at any time. And that now I know I'm not a, I know I'm not a girl, but this is two decades before that, right? Right. And here's this person who has military respect and other people vouching for him, right? Almost indirectly, He's still a rock star though. Sure, but. It's still like, oh well, she'll be taken care of, right? If you, oh, if yeah. you slow boil it, like Jim says, it's not out of the too. question. Yeah, the parents right. were groomed as well, <laughs> right. and he's the first rock star ever. What, what's, so what's a beetle? So yeah, so so there's nothing for them to base it on. They haven't seen horrible documentaries, That's right? You know, uh, like the old VH ones. You know, and when we come back, <laughs> the bottom falls out inside the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, like there's no precedent to to show some of the dangers that uh, that were out there. Um, they had nothing to go on. So so obviously, this movie. If you are a diehard Elvis fan. You're probably going to get pissed off. Oh yeah! If, if you can't, if you can't see other versions of a story being told, and you have blinders on to just accept everything that you feel like Elvis was good person, things like that. There's always going to be trouble in a paradise like that, which too. is which is dangerous. Yes, in any walk of life, absolutely. For you to think that whatever you think is the but it's 100% already out there. fact, but it's already out. Sure. Right? And I think if you look sure. at this for a true film perspective. I think overall people will like it as a film perspective or people even questioned Elvis a little bit too and, and his pursuits of Priscilla and how that relationship ended and came to a close and why. Because it closes just basically with her leaving. They don't go on with she, Elvis' story after that. She just she drives left. off. She drives off, which I think is a great way to end it. It is a great way to end it. Overall, yes. because you, it's not an Elvis story. It's a Priscilla story. It left me wanting more. Right. When and she drives yeah. away through the gates and the credits rolled, I was like, wait. Right. That's it? Right. But then I realized, no, 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 no. It's her story. That's the perfect way to end it. Yeah, because it's yes. her but story. It, but for about two seconds, I was I wanted more. And that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. I uh, want to you know address, I think, maybe what somebody who is an Elvis fan would be thinking or saying on this movie. Okay? So I'm playing devil's advocate here. This is not my my view. But they, they might be saying um, he kept it pure. Which, as far as we know in this movie, it was not sexual. Based on Priscilla's okay? word. Based on Priscilla's words. Which we're going to get to in my scores. And uh, so they could say, like, he kept her being a nice girl. Um, I will immediately wipe that away by he absolutely stole her life from her. Um, but I think that might be one of the defenses. And I don't think it's a great one because it's not all about sex it's right. about someone's agency and the right to determine their own life uh especially when they are more vulnerable um people always say you know like oh well, what's the pro age is not a thing when you haven't evolved developed or matured you are susceptible to somebody who has so age is always going to be a thing when you're in that development stage of teenage years up to maybe like 24, I think they say that determines who you are going to be for the rest of your life. 34, 24, not as big of a deal. Right. 24, 14, big deal. Huge. <laughs> All right, let's get our final take and scores on Priscilla. Let's start with Justin Bradford. All right. So 
overall, I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the, the cinematography of it, the, the soft touch, the lighting aspect of it. I thought it was mixed pretty well. Kaylee Spaney, I thought, was fantastic. This is her breakout role. Jacob Arodi, I thought he did a fantastic job as well. I mean, there's always pressure when you're playing a role of someone that's iconic. I think it's the worst role to oh, be handed. So difficult. Right? So, like, how do you pull that off? Because you know you're going to be under the microscope of everything you do, whether it's your body language, your voice, your look, your facial expressions, everything. They're comparing you to the real Always. person, every impersonator. Everything. Uh, you yeah. Know, and every other movie that's been yes. done where somebody played Elvis. And with Kaylee Spain, I don't feel like there's as much pressure, even though people know what Priscilla looks like. People didn't really get exposed to Priscilla until she had her own life after Elvis passed away. Yeah. Is when they got to know her. So a young Priscilla, nobody knows what to gauge that off of. So she, I don't want to say free reign, but she had just the ability to talk to Priscilla and get her take on it and then make it her own. Uh, So I really liked her take on this. I think Sofia Coppola is a fantastic director. Um, Overall, I think this movie is going to continue to roll in terms of people that appreciate good film and want a different take Mm -hmm. on the Elvis story as well, too. Uh, For me, I give it an eight. Very good. I also uh, thought that uh, Sofia Coppola handled this really well. Um, I love that it was a refreshing new take on what I think is an overtold story. Um, And Kaylee Spaney, I'm putting her in conversation for Best Actress Mm. because I think she just did a fantastic job and carried this whole movie. Uh, Jacob Elordi was was good. I thought... Thought he did a great job with it, but uh, this movie was not the focus of him, and he didn't have to do it for long stretches of time. So, like, he did a great job. If it was a bigger role, I might consider him for an award, but uh, he did did exactly what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the way this movie uh, did the slow burn of, you know, her evolution until she eventually drives off and leaves Elvis, uh, I thought was just was beautiful. Uh, it it I th- to me it was such a smooth, natural. Uh, even the way they you know introduced Elvis's drug problem into it was just so like it wasn't like all of a sudden he's got a drug problem. They walked you through this like slow. It's just a little thing, and eventually all those things get worse and worse. And it did it in such a subtle way that I thought, okay, that's masterful storytelling. So I also am going to give Priscilla an eight. Gover. The symbolism is off the charts. We mentioned it earlier how it was softly shot. It feels soft. It feels innocent. There's a lack of score making you feel isolated, which is, again, what she felt like. Daylight dominant because it's so much is the future is bright, right? All these. Mm-hmm. So the symbolism is off the charts. Great directing. How much of this was character protection from both Priscilla and Elvis? Priscilla wrote the book this is based on. Priscilla mm-hmm. served as executive producer on this film. Mm-hmm. She sure. sat with Kaylee Spaney and said, and they had conversations together. When we talked to her on the A24 media availability press conference, she had mentioned that she got a chance to sit with her. She was really nervous, but then eventually she got to see her light up when talking about Elvis and, and you know on certain things. And she got to see her emotion when she was t- retelling certain stories and this and that. So my question is, how much of this, we already talked about how Right, nothing is one hundred percent true either way. Right? Yeah. So, how much of this book and this movie is character protection for herself mm-hmm. and for who she's writing about? 
She has to sell True. books back in the back in the eighties when it just came out. Right? Sure, she has to sell books, so she's there's got she's got to put some stuff in there. And that's fine. I, I understand that. But if she still loves him, if there's still kind of this always warm place in her in, in her heart mm-hmm. for him, all that, is she protecting him? Oh, that's possible. Did it, they really have sexual relations while she was in high school? But she protected him in this film and in the story. Like, no, 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 we didn't do anything. And she also he would not violate. She could be protecting like Lisa Marie, her daughter. Also, that. Thank yeah. you. That's another level. Thank you for saying that. So I do wonder that. Now, again, good point. That's shouldn't be part of my grade because that's not part of the movie. That's just real life, right? She yes. wrote the book. Executive producer. How much of this is influence? We see this all the time. LeBron James had a movie come out about his high school team earlier this year. Right. And I wondered the whole time, is he going to end up looking like a hero in it? Right. Because he, mm-hmm. he, he helped write the book and executive producer. So sure. how is he going to spin his own narrative? We've seen it over and over again. Shooting stars, by the way, is what it's called. There is a review on, on Tunnel Phil Project Pod on, on that movie. But we see this all the time. So my, I guess my point is I'm not using this against my score, but I wanted to bring it up because I do think it's an interesting question. How much of what you're seeing? Yes, it's her take. Yes, mm-hmm. but it, it's her take of maybe a filtered one. Yes, right, um, and how, whatever she thinks is sure. important to say. Kaylee Spaney was great. She probably will not be on my list for best actress, however, because I think the powerfulness of the movie is more. I think she's more a product of great directing, okay, as opposed to the other way around. All right. Nothing against her per se. She did what she did, but I just think the directing was so top notch that I think it was. It didn't overshadow her. I just think she the, the the emotion you feel from her character to a point is her, but I think a lot of it has to do with how the movie was made and shot. Interesting take. It felt choppy, like I said, at certain points. That I can't ignore that. If I'm in the theater thinking, "Why is that in there?" Then that's an that's an audience goer's experience, and. Uh, the lack of score only increased, again, the gravitas, the emotion of the scene, of the symbolism of all those things. I give it a 7.5. There we go. So a near unanimous uh, scores for Priscilla, an A24 film. You're with the Untitled Film Project podcast, and at uh, the end of every episode, we ask a big question. Gover, what's our question today? Well, we typically keep, well, not typically, we do keep <laughs> a spreadsheet or a document or whatever of all the movies we've seen over the year, right? Yes. Because we, we need so for awards consideration and things like that. We need a reminder sometimes. But typically, award-worthy movies or some aspect of it makes it memorable. We kind of remember, oh, yeah, you know, we didn't say... What about the other movies? The movies that we forgot we saw. So the big question is, <laughs> thinking back to the movies you've seen in 2023, <laughs> think back. What movie did you forget that you've seen? The least memorable film of 2023 <laughs> so far. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the worst, by the way. Right. right it's very right, clear. Right. It doesn't yep. mean it's the worst. The worst stands out Because you would sometimes. remember that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah what movie did going through your list did you go oh that's right i did see that movie yeah <laughs> so i i will start this one okay. uh because i should have remembered that we saw this because it was i think one of our more entertaining podcasts because we had so much fun it's the movie Plane. Yes. Uh, with Gerard Butler. I can't forget that one. Such a great episode. I forgot it. I mean, maybe it's the title, or maybe it's just the. it felt like it was uh, a movie that would have come out on TV or something. I 
So, so Jim, in my spreadsheet, that is the that is row number one. It's yes. the first movie in theaters for the year. Yeah. Yeah. Title, plain, genre, action. Uh, let's see. Leads, Gerard Butler. Thoughts, awful. Oh, like Award worthy. No. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, those are pretty much my notes as well. Uh, so I completely forgot about that movie. Uh, not good enough to be remembered for good reasons and not even bad enough for, to remember it as, as a movie I hated. Yeah. So hated a lot. great episode though. It was fun. Seriously. If you've not listened to that episode, whether you've seen the movie or not, it doesn't matter. We're not really, there was, there if, was a lot of fun. Had. You got to go check it out. I'm going to link it in the top corner of the screen. It's so <laughs> fun. <laughs> Jeez. All right, Mr. Bradford, uh, tell us your least memorable movie of 2023 so far. Okay. So the point was made that, it's not going to be the most awful one because I'll remember the bad ones. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. Standing, like Plane 65, those stand out to me. Yep. The one that I forgot for scrolling up. So I've seen so far in theater, in theaters, I've seen 55 movies this year. Wow. In theaters. So I'm scrolling up and I'm seeing a bunch of movies. Like, oh, I remember that one. I remember that one. I forgot that I saw Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre in I, theaters. I've wow. Never, I don't even know what that movie is. It's Jason Statham, mm-hmm. Aubrey Plaza. That tells you all. Oh, no, that doesn't. Just say Jason Statham tells you all you need to know. But Aubrey Plaza is <laughs> pretty good Plaza, redemption. Yeah. Carrie Ellis, Hugh Grant, and Josh Hartnett. Like, that's a pretty That's a okay decent cast. cast. Yeah. Decent cast. It's a, supposed to be a spy action movie directed by Guy Ritchie okay. as well. It When my review, I said, it's an all right spy flick. Some good dry humor. Aubrey Plaza stole the film. It's a good popcorn movie. There's nothing ridiculous or insane great about it but it's another Jason Statham movie which just has to be entertaining it has to be good it just has to be fun but it didn't stay in your brain it didn't stay in my brain like <laughs> at the moment it was fine like it was a fine action but I completely forgot that I saw that movie this year <laughs> that's great Gover what movie did you forget you saw I'm going a little bit off the beaten path okay, okay? because it was a it's a major release but it was an Apple TV release okay Tetris Oh, yeah. I completely forgot. It's not even that long ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling down my list. I'm like, yeah, I remember most of the... And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that was even a thing. It's like, this, well, I guess that's my answer. It's the story of uh, of the guy who invented Tetris and uh, the guy from uh, the United States who tried to market it around the world. Yes. And I, I, there's a review up on UntitledFilmProjectPod.com. And you think if I wrote a review about it, I would remember it. I saw it. Nah, pretty, no, pretty not, forgettable. Not really. I gave it a five point five point five for those who are wondering, and uh, just you know, kind of middle of the road. It was fun for me as a Tetris guy. Like I, I, I still yeah. believe Tetris is the greatest video game of all time. Sure. And so, for me, I was really into it. If you don't care or don't know Tetris or have limited exposure to it, it's completely benign. It's not a waste of your time, but it's like okay, it's a spy. I guess it takes up space. Yes, it does. So Tetris, the Apple T- Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus, whatever they call it, that that release is the my forgotten movie of 2023. Already, already. All right, a little tease uh, about our next episode of the Untitled Film Project podcast. We're going to go in a little more positive direction for the big question, and we're going to ask you what movie. Are you looking forward to the most that's going to be coming out between now and the end of the year? So stay tuned for the next Untitled Film Project podcast. Let us know what you thought. If you can remember the movie you don't remember, tell (laughs) us on social media, Untitled Film Project pod on the socials. Socials. You said it, so I don't have to. There you go. I tried to, you know, lift that weight for you. Thanks. It's heavy. 
Lift with your legs, not your back. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.